Hello and welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. My name's Lorcan Doherty and today we're talking about Passage de Gracia. This wide treeland avenue that connects Barcelona city centre with the trendy neighbourhood of Gracia is celebrating 200 years. It's home to architectural masterpieces, luxury brands and very expensive flats. Coming up in today's podcast, we look at the fascinating history of the street, how it was shaped by feuding families trying to outdo one another by building ever grander homes. And we visit one of them, Palau Rubert, a former private mansion which today hosts concerts and exhibitions. Joining me today are Emma Monroes. Hello, Emma. Hi. And Killian Cheese. Hi, Killian. Welcome. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So today we're talking about Passage de Gracia, this big street near the centre of Barcelona. And uh, yeah, it's a good street, isn't it? Well, I'll go even further than that. I'll say it's a great a street. A great street. That is, of course, if you listen to Alan B. Jacobs, who was a very well-known U.S. urban designer, and he described the street around the time of the 92 Barcelona Olympics in his book, Great Streets. He literally wrote the book on it. This is the authoritative voice, absolutely. In that book, he described it a bit like New York's Fifth Avenue, compared it also to the Champs-Élysées in Paris. So we're talking about, you know, glamour here. I mean, I guess Barcelona's most famous street is La Rambla, which is you know, always busy, full of life. And, you know, in the old town and El Raval, there's lots of little alleyways and interesting, quirky side streets. But I think it's fair to say that Passage de Gracia is maybe the grandest of the city streets. And, Emma, it's celebrating its 200th anniversary. Yeah, so this year, well, the celebration started on 2022. And from there to 2024, there will be also more celebrations. Yeah, I mean, it takes a bit longer than one single year to build a street. I exactly. Suppose. But more or less, yeah, 200 years ago. The history actually goes back further, obviously. Yes. So previously, uh, before there was actually Passage de Gracia, there was a street that connected the old town of Barcelona. So uh, it was walled before. And then it also connected the town of Gracia, which is now part of Barcelona, but before it was a separate a separate city. Yeah, and it still, even till today, kind of retains a little bit of its own atmosphere, doesn't it? You know, it, it feels like its own little thing. You can tell it used to be a separate town. Yeah, completely. So it used to be a street before, but a lot of it was destroyed during the Napoleonic invasion. Um, afterwards, the municipal authorities decided to fix up the road, and that restoration was around 1824. So, so about 200 years ago. Exactly. And they built this Passage de Gracia. Passage, like, I don't even know how you would translate that into English because it means like, kind of like going for a walk or something. Exactly. No? Or a place where you would walk. Like walkway, a, a, kind of. Boulevard, yeah. maybe it's kind of similar, but you think boulevard more, no, I don't know. Boulevard, I think is pretty it's, good. It's probably it, the it definitely closest. gives it yeah. a bit more splendor to it as well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, Passage de Gracia, it's a place where you would walk them? Exactly. So Passage uh, comes from the word Passage, which is a verb. And Passage means to walk, but not only like, you don't need to have a clear direction to Passage. You okay. you can walk just for the sake of Going walking. Going for a dander, a stroll. To uh, saunter. To, exactly. <laughs> to walk for walking's sake. I remember the first time I walked down Passage de Gracia, it was before I lived in Barcelona, you know, I was here visiting, and... It's quite surreal because there's some absolutely incredible buildings that, you know, they look like pieces of art. I'm thinking especially of the two Gaudi buildings on, exactly. on the street. I mean, and the street itself is a tourist attraction. 
yeah, like, be, just for the the architectural beauty of it. And it came to be this way because of these battles over history between the Catalan bourgeoisie, these wealthy families who who decided to build their new family homes in this new part of town when it when it was being built. Yes, that's exactly right. I mean, it all started around the time of the Ildefonso Cerdas plan for the city. This is the guy who designed the Eixample, the very famous grid system of Barcelona, when it extended in the middle of the 1800s outside of the walled old town. Once the extension happened, most of the prominent wealthy families, the bourgeoisie, as we said, left the dark, dingy, narrow street old town behind them, and they moved into this much more spacious and very soon to be prestigious area. Um, so to be a person of importance really at this time, the end of the 19th century, it was necessary to stand out a little bit, not just by wearing the finest clothes and of course hats as well, as well which is much bigger in society at the time, <laughs> but of course also having your home built by the most daring and illustrious architects out there. So who has the best house then? What, what's any favourite buildings along the street? I mean, I personally think Palauruert is really nice, also because it's a palace. Uh, yeah, but we'll be hearing a little bit more about that exactly. later on. You, you two went to visit it. And I think that um, as, as much as I really like La Padrera, which is Casa Mila. Um, so this is one of Gaudí's ones? Yeah, I think it's really beautiful to look at, but at the same time, having that as your home can be like a little striking. I think it's not a house, you know, it's a place to look at, Looks not, more not like somewhere to live something. in. Exactly. Well, Museum peace, yeah. almost, yeah. Well, apparently there's a little story that uh, Senora da Mila, when the building was completed, uh, she saw it and it's got all these curves and waves and she said to Anthony Gaudi, where am I going to put my dog kennel? And he said, Senora, get yourself a snake. So... <laughs> Don't know if it's true or not, but that kind of, yeah, no, basically no straight lines. Yeah, yeah, not a single wall in the building is perfectly straight. It's all winding and curvy and has a very wavy exterior as well. And it's known, Killian, as La Padrera, which means the quarry. The quarry, exactly. That's sort of its colloquial name, Casamila. It's more like familial name. Um, and it, it's called that because the outside of it, in stark contrast to another Gaudi building on the very same street, Casabayo, it is not colourful whatsoever. It's just the colour of the natural stone. It's not painted. It doesn't have these colourful mosaic tiles or anything like that. Just the natural stone colour, which is sort of a light creamy yellowy sort of thing. But then also the very striking black twisted balcony gates. That yeah, you see the all iron, across the iron work. Exactly, yeah. So that building, Casimila, is one of two of Gaudí's creations uh, on Passage de Gracia, considered UNESCO World Heritage Sites as well. The other one that you mentioned there is Casavallo, uh, which, as you say, is very different. This is so colourful, this one. And, I mean, there's always, well, like with Casamila as well, crowds of tourists outside it taking photographs. And this one tells the story of St. George, San Jordi, uh, the patron saint of Catalonia. And if you spend a bit of time looking, you can make out the dragon, the spear of St. George, and the rose as well, of, of course, uh, another symbol of Catalonia. You mentioned San Jordi. San Jordi's day, of course, is one of the best days to probably look at this building because every April 23rd, they filled the facade with hundreds, if not thousands, I don't know how many, of roses. Yeah. And just the building looks absolutely spectacular. Yes, yeah. it's really beautiful. If you get the opportunity to be here on, on San Jordi, Go have a look. And the block where Casa Batlló is, Emma, has its own special name as well. Yes, it's called Illa de la Discordia. So the block of Discord uh, would be the translation. 
And it's a blog that was taken as a competition, you would say, by architects to outdo each other. So when they were creating the houses for the Borgeses to live in, um, there was this kind of competition to see who would um, create the most fanciful structure. And if you look at it, all the buildings have different styles and they are just so completely different to each other. Houses in there are Casa Madje by architect Puchicada Falk, Casa Bayo, as we've said, also Casa Yao Murera by Domenaki Montane. So these names might not be as famous outside Catalonia as exactly. Gaudí, obviously, but they're really well known here and they're really, you know, famous architects from the kind of art nouveau exactly. movement, the Catalan modernism, modernisme movement of the of the early 20th century. Yes, and it's actually really fun to look at because um, that street is as if you were in a museum and different paintings by like Picasso and then Van Gogh and then, I don't know, Botticelli, where they're just <laughs> like a different mixture of styles all right beside each other. So Yeah, I, I know. And, you know, the whole Eixample area of Barcelona is full of beautiful buildings, um, but they're all kind of quite similar in style. And then you've just got this explosion of like different styles. I always think that the one uh, Casa Matier, is it beside um, Casa Batlló, looks a bit to me like a gingerbread house. You know, it's got the little... I don't know, the the way the roof yeah. comes off. It's like, like steps. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's perpendicular always, right angles. Yeah, yeah. That's what it always reminds me of. Anyway. Flemish architecture, I believe it was uh, inspired by. Well, they, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Okay. I um, often I often feel a little bit sad for that because I think it's a little bit overlooked because for me, it's absolutely one of the best on the whole street. But like it happens everybody knows Gaudi and it's right beside us. And certainly the first time that I visited Bayo, I saw the one beside it and I was like, What's that? Like, is, 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 it, is it the same? Is it part of it? And obviously not, but yeah, it's definitely got less international fame. And although everyone walks along the street looking up at all these amazing buildings, actually, if you look down as well, there's some Gaudi as well. Yeah, so actually, the pavement tiles, um, they have sea life patterns, and the sidewalk of Paseta Gracia was actually designed by Gaudi as well. So if you walk down there, it's actually like, a portfolio of Gaudí, all just in, just in one street. Well, we've talked about all these grand mansions lining Passage de Gracia. And recently you went along to visit one, Emma, the Palau Robert. Let's take a listen to how you got on. Palau Robert is a great example of what Burgessi Catalonia was like back when Passage de Gracia was created. The building, or should I say the palace, was created by Robert Robert Isuris, a Catalan aristocrat and nobleman of the time. The construction of Palau began when the walls of the old parts of Barcelona were torn down. It is the creation of French architect Henri Grandpierre, and a good example of neoclassical architecture. Now, the building belongs to the Catalan government and it is used for cultural events. And if you have ever been to Passeig de Gracia, you may have noticed that Palau Robert has a different look than the other buildings. Aquest senyor era un senyor bastant conservador. Aleshores, això es veu clarament en la seva arquitectura respecte a la resta d'edificis nobles i burgesos que hi ha. Robert Robert Isuris was quite a conservative man. Eva Pomares, a government outreach official, tells me. And you can see that when comparing this building to other ones on Passeig de Gracia. Palau Robert competes with other buildings on Passeig de Gracia with a neoclassical architecture while the style of the moment was more modernist. Robert hired a French architect that had previously worked on the 1900 Paris Exposition, and he wanted to reflect Paris and its boulevard. 
i els seus jardins... Some of the gardens in Palau Robert have still species planted at the time of the Barcelona exposition, which have been recovered. The gardens act as a green land, in an area of Barcelona that's lacking green spaces. In 1981, the Catalan government acquired the building. The new post-Franco Catalan government considered it was necessary to have a space to exhibit the country's path and to transform this space into a large cultural center. We always have free activities and events as we try to bring culture to the people, Eva says. She confesses that she also feels lucky to be able to work in Passeig de Gràcia, a unique place. Passeig de Gràcia is a great artery that not every city in the world is lucky enough to have. Obviously, every city has shopping areas, sometimes with luxury brands, but Passeig de Gràcia also has exceptional architecture. The street has changed in the last 200 years, but there are still some elements in Passeig de Gràcia that remain the same. Passejar means to walk in Catalan, and Eva believes that this is still what identifies the street, and she hopes that 200 years from now, people will still do so. Barcelona is a real Mediterranean city, and it has been like this since it was founded. That can be seen with avenues such as Passeig de Gràcia. What do people do here? They just come here to walk. 200 years ago, when Passeig de Gràcia was built, people came here to make themselves known, for other people to see them, to build the nicest buildings. But now, people no longer come here for others to see them. Now people come here to simply enjoy the space. Thanks for that, Emma, and thanks to Eva and everyone at Palau Robert. Well, we're checking out their website to see what concerts and exhibitions coming up. They've got a permanent exhibition there as well, which is uh, free. I mean, I should say as well, there's all their buildings along Passage de Gracia, which you can visit, but you generally have to pay to get in, for example, the two the two guide ones. And if you want to live on the street, you have to pay a fair bit. Uh, 40 million euro, the most expensive flat in Barcelona sold for earlier this year. Uh, the penthouse suite in the Mandarin Oriental Residences building. Uh, which, yeah, is on Passage de Gracia. They were going to turn this building, which is a former bank, into a luxury hotel, but they couldn't because of Barcelona City Council moratorium on tourist accommodation license. But I'd safely say they got their money's worth out of it anyway. <laughs> they acquired the whole building for 90 million euro back in 2014, so not doing too bad. Recuperating half of it for, almost half of it for... For one for just one duplex, apartment. one two-story flat. Good gig if you can get it. <laughs> so there are some houses, there are some flats along Passage de Gracia. There are cultural activities, as, as we've heard as well. But I guess if you're going to Passage de Gracia nowadays, basically you're probably going there to do a bit of shopping. Not just shopping, luxury shopping. Luxury this shopping. is not just your, your groceries, your, your fresh potatoes and onions. No, 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 no. We're talking high-end, hot couture fashion here. As you can imagine, once the wealthy families start moving out there, uh, then of course the wealthiest brands are going to want to attract their custom as well. And what better way to do that than show that you are on this classy, splendid street as well with all these beautiful buildings that you're rubbing shoulders with the 
alongside all of these these types of people. So we've got the likes of Tiffany's, we've got Chanel, Hugo Boss, Dolce Gabbana, Prada, Rolex, Louis Vuitton. All in all, over 160 brands in total. I mean, I, I go there every week, obviously, you know, just to... You know, just to do my weekly shop and top up on a few a few things. A few Rolexes, a few... I mean, there are actually shops like Mango and, and Zara. So it's not just luxury, but mainly some, it's the high-end. It's high-end fashion, but there are some more accessible brands there too as well. I mean, the whole street is all about wealth and power, isn't it? Not You know, it's not just the shops, but even the other institutions that have their offices there. Exactly. There are a number of bank offices and also consulates around the passage. So it's just a lot of wealth, power, a lot of influence as well. The Barcelona Stock Exchange is there. Exactly. And for example, political power as well. You've got the Barcelona Office of the European Commission, European Parliament. So it's kind of like the place to be seen, isn't it? That's it, yeah. Sort seeking influence. This is where you want to be seen. Just in the last year or so, Apple have opened nice fancy offices in a in one of these neo-Gothic Catalan modernist buildings uh, just at the bottom of Passage de Gracia, right on where it meets uh, Plaza de Catalunya. Mm. Um, Another company, Seat, the, uh, the local Catalan car manufacturers, they very recently acquired a building there for offices and also some exhibition space as well. They were very excited when they got that because obviously moving to Passage de Gracia, it's a, it's a status symbol, isn't it? Yeah. And although it is more of a commercial street and offices and things, there are some restaurants and things like that as well that you can visit. Yeah. So especially there's a restaurant called Al Nacional, which is, you would say, a restaurant of restaurants because it's like a market where there are different restaurants with a lot of varieties like fish, meat. So the actual restaurant opened in 2014, but I mean, it was it dates back to 1870. And since then, it has been used as a modernist cafe, also a textile factory. And it's really a fancy place. And it also has really fancy bathrooms. So Really fancy bathrooms? Exactly. I haven't had the pleasure, but, you, you know, what, just, just yes. what, luxurious everyone, kind of? Everyone takes pictures there. I don't know why, but... <laughs> right, okay. A bathroom, everyone takes pictures. Interesting. Um, have you been, Killian? I've not been, but uh, I'm sure I've seen some Instagram posts Yeah, and not realised it was there. <laughs> it was that yeah. bathroom. Certainly. But you, you've had the pleasure, Emma? Yeah, I just went to get a drink, but it's really nice. Yeah. And in terms of other landmarks on the street, I mean, you can't help but notice there's a huge big obelisk where Passage de Gracia meets uh, Diagonal, so two of the biggest, kind of most important streets in Barcelona. And Killian, I believe there's a bit of an interest in history behind it. Right, yeah, exactly. And also, it's got an interesting history of its name. So it's called Plaza Cinc de Ors, which means literally the square of the five of golds. And that sounds like the, a playing card, doesn't it? Because that's exactly what it was. The local suits here, one of them as gold coins. And locals noticed that this kind of resembled a five of golds. Why? Because the obelisk, as you mentioned, it was sat in one large circular structure in the middle of the square. Um, but then surrounding that were four smaller ones, which held lampposts. And people just noticed that it kind of looked like this and they kind of gave it this <laughs> colloquial funny name. Uh, this obelisk it used to have a statue on top of it of a nude woman, which was symbolizing the Spanish Republic in the 1930s. Uh, shortly after that, as history goes, Franco's dictatorship started and the square had a name changed to Plaza de la Victoria, uh, the Square of Victory. So for a few years during this period, shortly after the war, the obelisk 
uh, they removed the statue of the, the woman representing the Republic and replaced it with a giant fascist eagle. And people colloquially dubbed it the Plaza del Loro, which means the square of the parrot. So <laughs> giving it a bit of an ironic name there, making fun of it. Shortly after the Nazis lost World War II, the authorities then decided that such direct symbolism of fascism wasn't such a great idea anymore, so they took this down. After Franco died, the name changed again to Plaza Juan Carlos, and then only in 2016, they changed it away from the former monarch's name and officially called it the Plaza de Cinque Dors, the Five of Golds. What people have been calling it the whole time. (laughs) Exactly. Well, the anniversary of Passage de Gracia, as we said earlier, started last year, going on this year and on to next year as well. The milestone has been officially deemed an event of exceptional public interest, which I just think is is great, you know. Um, what does that mean? Well, it means that there's some cultural, sporting, recreational events going on. But, I mean, to be honest, it's such an iconic street with such iconic buildings that, you know, it's worth visiting any year, anniversary or not. Time now for our Catalan phrase. So the Catalan phrase this week is Escampar la boira. Escampar la boira, which I have no idea what it means. That's what I thought. So <laughs> the literal translation would be to clean up the fog. Boira is fog. Boira is fog. So like, okay, to clear the fog. Exactly. And how we use this phrase usually is when you want someone to get out of the conversation you're having okay. or the room you're in. I was told that when I was little by adults, when adults are talking, you go away, you clear the fog. Just escampar la boira. Exactly. Well, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Thanks very much again to Eva and everyone at Palau Robert. Thanks for joining me today, Emma and Killian. Thank you very much for having us, Lorca. And yes, thank you very thank much you. for all of your work, Emma. Thanks very much to you for listening. We are back again next weekend with another episode of Filling the Sink. Until then, for me, Lorcan Doherty, and all of us here at Catalan News, bye for now. Adios.